I'm going to share a message this evening um, that I've just, I've just entitled Right, Right Positioning. And you know what? God wants us positioned right. I, I believe God's got great things for our lives. I believe God's got wonderful things for our lives. But, you know, and, and this is just what we've been talking about as well with the um, suffering and the glory. But we've been talking about the glory aspect of it. And there for a few weeks ago, we talked, about, we talked on righteousness for a few weeks and how important righteousness is. Um, because if you're going to glory, glory, the glory of man is to rule and reign in life. That's man's glory. Um, and the glory of God is God's signature on our lives. That's what we looked at as well, that it's God's signature on our lives. Um, and yeah, I, I was thinking about this here today. You know what? You, you, I, I, I don't want to be writing my own checks. I want God to be writing my checks, if you understand what I'm saying. I don't want to be doing it in my effort. I want God's signature, not my not what I've done to be seen. I want what God's done to be seen in my life. So I want God to write it for me and God to put his signature at the bottom of everything. So that's where he gets the glory then because he did it. Yeah. See, if we do it, we, we get the glory. So we can boast and we can brag, but we haven't much to brag about. Only dung, as what Paul said. That's all the flesh can produce. But whenever, whenever um, God does something in our lives, well then he puts his signature on it and you can see that it's God. And we want to have God's signature on our lives so that people can see. Do you see, when the glory's on your life, people can see it. You know, the Bible says to arise and shine. For your light is coming, the, the glory of God has risen upon us. And you know what? People will see the glory on our lives. But the glory of God on our lives is God's signature on our life. That people can see God's involved in their lives. And that's, that's what I want in my life. I want people to see it. But you know, we've been talking about suffering and, glory, and the glory. And we said over in Peter that, you know, of Jesus, talking about Jesus, Peter talking about Jesus. He said that there was suffering, but then there was the glory that followed. And, um, you know, anytime there's, there's opposition position in our life that's the platform for glory that's a platform for God to be seen because when God shows up in our life people see it people see God's hand on our lives and no matter what we face always believe God for the glory that follows always believe God that glory's coming as well that it's not just opposition some people are suffering minded no we need to be glory minded amen not suffering minded we don't need to be people that are walking about with you know our head in the sand down in the dumps whenever we face things no we need to be of joy knowing that God's with us amen. and actually right positioning is knowing even when you go through stuff position yourself correctly Position yourself for favor. Position yourself for glory. Amen. Because God's got great things for us. And actually, in fact, we face things. That's the opportunity for God to say, I can step in here. Jerry Savelle used to, used to um, preach a message called, This is a job for El Shaddai. And you know what? When you face things, it's a job for God to step in and show, I'm God. And you'll see my signature in your life. That's why it's so important to stay correctly positioned, even when we go through things. That's why a few weeks ago there I was talking about, you know, um, when things come against you, still walk in love. Because that's being positioned correctly. And that's what you look through the book of Peter, First Peter, which was where we've been really taking the frame of this message. He, he taught the people how to still position yourself right. Commit to God. When things come against you, commit it to God. He judges righteously. When things come against you, instead of you reviling, don't you do that. You commit it to God. You cast all your cares on Him. Why, why is he saying that? He's saying stay correctly positioned. 
Why? Because when you're positioned correctly, well then God's going to get involved. Um, let me say this here. If that's any has ever, has any has ever um, been at the wrong bus stop or, or standing on the wrong side of the road if the bus has been coming or um, what do you call it? the train. Any is that there's a picture of a train station there and that's why I popped that up because sometimes you can be, you can be, in, you can be there but you're at the wrong stop. You're at the wrong platform. You're positioned wrong. And it's not that God's not moving. Those trains are coming by all the time, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? Blessing, favor, goodness, it's always abounding towards you. But you can be at the wrong stop. Um, you know, we were at Dublin and Dublin um, Station or uh, Connolly Station um, a while back. Me and Dan was standing there for ages and we were going, there must be nobody getting on this train. <laughs> I was at, we're at the wrong stop. Now, there was a train going later. But we wanted it at a certain time. And we had to actually run from one side of the station to the other, down a flight of steps and everything, to get to our train. Because we, there were trains were going past all the time, but we weren't, position, we weren't positioned correctly for that train. And there's a lot of people just miss what God has for their lives because they're at the platform of strife, or they're at the platform of bitterness, or the platform of unforgiveness, or they're at the platform of fear and doubt and all of these kind of things. And God's goodness is flying past all the time, but you have to put faith in His goodness. You have to put faith in God. And so, you know, many times we, we miss it. It's not that God doesn't move in our life if we have things wrong in our life, because God moves with His unmerited favor in our life. But it's us, we're not receiving by faith. Because sometimes when you're in strife, you know, your heart's just not all there. It's not right. Amen. So that's why you have to get out of that there and, and get back to the place where God's train is flowing and you're at the right station. That's why it's so important to stay in, in, in a position of um, forgiveness and um, love and all of those kind of things. We have no right to walk in unforgiveness if we want to walk in what God has for us. It'll stop you. You'll not get to your destination. You'll not get on your train or your bus and get there because you'll be, you'll be at the wrong stop. Amen. And, and everybody else is moving on but we're stuck at strife or stuck at unforget or stuck at whatever you know what I mean and I, I tell you the best place to be is just to say God I'm walking in love and, and God I'm going to trust you and I'm going to cast all my cares on you I'm not going to live in worry and doubt and all of those things just the feelings come the feelings of fear come but don't put faith in those things now you know you can have fear in your head and faith in your heart because fear comes to us all doubt comes to us all but you know what we're to do? We're to cast those thoughts down, even though they come. But you can have fear attack you and still say, God, I trust you. Because that's faith that's coming from the heart. So it's, uh, I, I like to put it this way. You know, doubt can, doubt can come, but don't give it the place of belief. Don't give it the place where you grasp onto it. It can come. Kenneth Hagin used to say, thoughts can fly over your head all the time, just like the birds can fly over your head. But don't let them nest in your head. And we get to choose which thoughts we latch onto. So we can latch onto, the, even though there's, there's all types of thoughts, latch onto the ones of faith and trust God. Amen? So, um, but this right positioning. And um, I'm just thinking there, when I was a young fella, I went to... I went, I went to Murder. It was a long time ago. I, I, I mean, I was, I, was in, I was in high school. And I went to, I went to Myra one night, but I told my mom I was going to Myra Temple. And I was going to the youth club there, but I wasn't. I was going to see a girl, okay? <laughs> Me and a friend of mine. And we, 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 got, we, um, 
What we did was, they used to send a bus uh, out to, you know, to, to take you out. So we got in the bus, but when the bus stopped, we done a runner and we went to the park. Um, but then I was meant to get the bus home. But sure, we were only young lads, we hadn't got a clue. And we were standing on the wrong side of the road, and the next thing the bus goes flying past. And because uh, where we were standing, it said bus stop, so we think we thought we'll stand here, but we didn't realize you stand at the other side opposite because that's where the bus is going that way. So when flying past us young fellas, and we looked at the sign, and that was the last bus for the night on a Friday night, and we ran home, eight miles or something like that. We ran home, and it was snowing. <laughs> I got home, I was absolutely freezing, and I was petrified that my mum, because Brenda used to do the club at that time, and I was, because my mum and Brenda's friends, so I, I, was, I was concerned that my mum was going to phone Brenda or something and say, Paul, enjoy the club or whatever, but it never ever happened, but I tell you, we ran home that night, missed the bus, missed the bus, but you know what, wrongly positioned. And you know what, we need to be correctly positioned, especially when we face things, in life. and that's not all the time, but what we're talking about here is when you face things, no matter what comes against you, stay correctly positioned. Amen? Um, I'm just going to use my Bible this evening. I usually put them up there, the scriptures, but uh, I'm just going to use my Bible tonight. But let me look over to First Peter, because there's a lot of scriptures down here, and I don't want to be bogged down if I have them all up on the screen. I want to be able to just pick out the ones that I need to pick out this evening. But um, in First Peter, let me look. Let me look in chapter in chapter four for a second. First Peter four. Praise God. Correctly positioned. Amen. Just thinking there, you know, humility is being correctly positioned. Because if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you. But you know what humility is? It's saying I can't and you can't. That's what humility is. It's not putting trust in self. It's humbling yourself to the point of saying, God, I'm not God, you're God. So that you're saying, God, I can't do it, but you can. In actual fact, that's, that's, that's a great place to be. A great place to be is in a, in a position in your mind. Whether, you, whether you're living the best days of your life or whether you're believing God for stuff, it doesn't matter. It's good to keep a humble heart because a humble heart always acknowledges God as you. Yeah. Anything I have comes from you. It's always a dependent yeah. attitude. It's not trusting in self. It's trusting in God. Humility will always come to the place and say, God, I can't, but you can and the Bible says when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he lifts us up. Um, the Bible says God resists the proud. The reason he does is because it's opposite to his system. God, uh, pride is when we trust in self. It's being self-occupied. It's trusting in ourselves. Whether that's putting ourselves up or putting ourselves down, but we're for focusing in ourselves, just looking at ourselves. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, you know, and, and that means promotions come and that means God's involved now. The reason he gives grace to the humble is because it's a positioning of the heart. And God's saying, when you, when you acknowledge you can't, but you trust in me, I'll be your can. And I'll come in there and I'll do it for you. I'll give you the grace, the ability to do. So that's, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a positioning of the heart. That's why when Jesus came, it said that he, he um, humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. And what did he do? He trusted God. 
He just came and served. He didn't try to promote himself. He served. And then the Bible says that, you know what? God exalted him. You see, when you, when you humble yourself, you're not trusting in yourself. You're trusting in God. And really what you're doing is you're trusting in God's promotion. We know promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. The Bible says it comes from the north. And the reason it says it comes from the north is because God's on the sides of the north. What it's saying is it comes from God. Look to God. He's the one who promotes you. So when you humble yourself, you're actually positioning yourself and you're saying in your heart, you're saying, God, I can't, but you can. God, I don't trust in my ability, my smarts, my effort, my education, my um, ability to produce any of those kind of things. I'm trusting in you, God, you get involved in everything that I do. And every time I put my hand to something, I'm trusting you in it. I'm not trusting in me. Amen. And the Bible says, God will lift you up. What is that? That's a correct positioning. It's, a, it's, a, it's positioning yourself correctly. Well, if Jesus done it and he's our example, well then we should do the same, take on the form of a servant, not to think more highly than we ought to think of ourselves, not to pu- be puffed up, not to trust in ourselves, but be God dependent and say, God, I'm just going to walk with you and God, as I put my hand to things in life, Lord, I believe that your favor and your goodness is upon me and you're going to be my acceleration. You're going to cause me to excel in life, but it won't be me. I can't take the glory, you're writing the checks. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your signature. That's what I'm saying there. It's your signature. It's not mine. You see, if we can put our signature on it, we're taking the glory. But everything that happens in our lives, we should say, signed by God. God did that. And then we give him the glory. We give him the praise because it was him who did it in the first place. Amen. But God's that good. When you, when, you, when you involve God in your life, you're going to live the best life that you ever had. It doesn't matter what you go through. You can know that God's hands upon you and God's going to bring you through. And when he brings you through, he's going to get all the glory. He's going to get all the honor. But you know what? He's going to bless you in the process and you get to enjoy it. Amen. That's what God's looking for, people that he can use and work through. Here, here in... Um, 1 Peter 4, here it's talking again about going through things here, but it says here in verse 4, it says, We're, we're in, they think it's strange that you run not with them um, to the same excess. I'm at the wrong verse, or verse 12, sorry. Um, Beloved, think it not a strange thing. That's where I got sidetracked, I've seen the word strange. Um, verse 12, Beloved, think it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trials which are to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. And we're saying now, when you walk with God, don't be surprised that people don't like it. Because you represent Him. You represent uh, 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 the name of Jesus. Not everybody likes the name of Jesus, but you represent Him. And there may be people come against you. But you know what? You just stay correctly positioned. You just keep doing what God said to do. And here in verse um, in verse 13 it says, But rejoice when things come against you. Don't lose your joy. Amen? Rejoice. Why? It says, Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. This is talking about because you're a Christian and you're being an effective one. Now when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And verse 14 is a verse I want to just bring out here for a second. It says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Look at this, for the spirit of glory. That's a powerful verse. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. What's that saying? It's saying get a different perspective here. You see, when things come against you for the name of Christ, your position, God's about to do something mighty in your life. Amen. 
See, it takes faith to, to believe. It doesn't it take faith to believe God when you're facing things to believe in God? I'm set up for your hand to be seen on my life at this present moment in time. It takes faith to believe in the midst of, of facing things that God, God's about to do something mighty in my life. I'm positioned for glory. Amen. I'm positioned. You know, I, I'm gonna, I'll bring it out next week, hopefully. But you know what? Um, in, in the book of Esther, when, when Haman was promoted, it looked like Mordecai's downfall. But actually, Haman was promoted to be taken out. Sometimes we don't think like that, but this is the way God thinks. And he was promoted to be taken out, but Mordecai just stayed doing what he was meant to be doing. And you know what? He was, Mordecai was actually the one positioned for promotion. Yet it looked like he wasn't. Why? Because, you see, when things come against us for the name of Christ, we should just keep rejoicing and keep our faith in Jesus and stay at the right platform and jump on that glory train when it comes past and let God bring us to our destination. Amen. And really, that's what, that's what it's saying here. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, um, he, uh, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. Let me, let me tell you, when you face things, it's just like God's glory is upon you. God's power is upon you. God's grace is upon you. When you face things, you just need to see that God, now you're just going to rest on me here now. And you're going to bring me through. And not just bring me through, but you're going to promote me. God, you're going to cause my life to excel. That's a different way to think. But this is how God, this is how God thinks. You see, Peter's teaching these guys, this is how this work guys. Things may come against you, but you position yourself correctly. I love that thinking. Stay at the right platform. Get on the train. Let God take you to where you need to be. Amen. Rejoice. Praise Him. That's why it says, count it all joy. It's not joy, but count it joy. Be in faith. That's what it's saying. In faith that God, you're going to do something mighty here. We don't sound like the world, but we're never meant to sound like the world. We're meant to sound like God. Amen. <laughs> but for the, the spirit of glory and grace, that's, that's just, I just love that verse. It rests upon you. I just, you know, I, I've, I've just, in my thinking, I always think of a big blanket just falling on top of me when I go through. But it's God's glory and grace. It's just resting on me. It's just falling on me because I stay positioned. And now it's God has envelope me you just, you just stay positioned right and it's just going to fall on you but you see if we're at the wrong platform it's over there alright but we're over here not positioned right being mumbling complaining strife bitterness blaming everybody this one's fault that one's fault you know what if, you know, if this one wouldn't have done that that wouldn't have, and we blame everybody and we're in strife and we're in bitterness and then we get into unforgiveness I could God do that now it's finished definitely finished now and God's saying you and my ability's here all the time I'm constant I'm the same yesterday today and forever I'm a good father as we said tonight but you know what you can't, my, my grace isn't going to fall on you over there because you're positioned wrong but you come over here and you start rejoicing and saying, my God's going to do great things in my life. My, oh, God's great. I'm going to stay in love and all of these kind of things. And you just stay positioned correctly. You're positioned for grace. Because you're saying, I can't, but he can. And you're positioned for his glory in your life. Amen. That's, that's, that's a wonderful concept. Here, over here in first, um, no, it's actually second Corinthians chapter 12. It says the same kind of thing here. 
2 Corinthians 12. It's talking about, you know, Paul when, when talked about the thorn in the flesh and people say it was sickness and disease, but it wasn't sickness and disease. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. That's what it says. And really what it's saying is everywhere Paul, Paul went, he faced opposition. Um, a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the Old Testament talked about people. And uh, the enemies of the children of Israel were always described as thorns. Um, well, I'm telling you, our, our enemy is described as a thorn as well, a thorn in the flesh that comes against us. And Satan comes against us to try and stop us. And um, so Paul prayed and said, God, take this thing away from me. And some people think God said no, you know, and the answer is no. God's answer wasn't no. God's answer was my grace is sufficient. But you see, sometimes people think my grace is sufficient is, there, there. I'll just suffer on through, Paul. No, it's not grace. God's grace is God's ability, His comfort, His love, His peace. Everything you need to get you through, His power, His ability to stand. Everything that you need was coming at you, Paul. That's His grace. Paul, you need to just wake up and say, God, your grace is sufficient. You're going to be my supply. And every, every time there's a, a, an attack comes against me, your supply is bigger than my need. Amen? Your supply is bigger than the attack. That's the way we need to think. That's grace thinking. That's thinking that he, he's bigger. But look what, it's, what, Paul's, uh, what, what God said to Paul here in verse um, 9. It says, um, But he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Look at this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in infirmities that the power of Christ, look at this, may rest upon me. Amen? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then he is strong. What was, what's Paul saying here? Paul saying, I just, things come against me, but God's telling me to stay positioned correctly. And let the power of God rest upon us. Here, here's something that, you know, many times, especially faith, faith, faith people over the years, um, I'm talking to myself, because, and I'm still a faith person, okay, but I'm talking about just many times when we'd have that faith of, you know, I'm going to do it, um, attitude. Um, one, one of the things that many times we never like to, to talk about is that we're weak. But the reality of it is, is we are weak in ourselves, but we're strong in him. Do you see that? I can't, but he can. Amen. That's a humbling and saying, God, I can't do it. Do you see pride is saying, I can do it. Humility is saying, God, I can't. But do you know, I can position myself so that the power of God rests upon me and I can do it in your strength. That's why, that's why Paul said, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's why Paul said, I labor more abundantly than you all. Not me. But the grace of God that's upon me, it's causing me to do great things, but it's not me. Do you know what that is? That's an attitude of God, I can't, but you can. And we should live with that attitude. That's not a weak attitude. That's an attitude of drawn from His strength. Do you see, if you can, you don't need His strength, because you can't. To actually receive His strength is, first of all, to acknowledge God, I can't. That's the reason to pray is because I can't. God, if I had all the answers, I wouldn't need to pray and come and ask you for wisdom. Because sure, I'd know what to do anyway. God, if I could do it, then I wouldn't even need to come to you because I, I can do it. Sure, I'm strong. But you do end up 
being strong. This is the thing. You do end up being strong, but it's not your strength. It's his strength. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm not my strongest. Because now the power of God has rested upon me. So I, no matter what I go through, I realize I'm just going to stay correctly positioned, let God's power fall on me, and I'll end up doing more in his strength than I could ever do in mine. Amen? Boys, that's, that just does it for me there. That does it for me. That's one of the greatest things that I think, for me, God has shown me over the years. Is to stop trusting in myself and wearing myself out. Trusting in my ability and doing it in my ability of I can. But I've come to the place of I can't, but he can't. I can't. See, the Bible says of yourself you can do nothing. The branch apart from the vine can produce nothing. But you depend on the life of the vine. And you realize, you end up saying, I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ. He's my strength. That's God dependent. It's a more superior way to live than instead of living out of uh, instead of living out of a self attitude, we live out of a, an attitude of God. It's all you. See, how can God get the glory if we're doing it? Huh? Yet, it, yet it's us doing it as in the hands on. But it's not our ability; it's His ability. Amen. He, he can bring the acceleration. And I, I tell you, God wants to accelerate our lives. But that's being positioned correctly for his acceleration in our lives. Uh, I'm going to do great things in my life, but it's not going to be me. Uh, and and uh, just my attitude. I'm going to do great things in my life, but it's not going to be me. It's all going to be him. So I'm not down at the mouth saying, oh, I can't, I can't. I, I can't, but I can do it in him. So if I, if I jump in, if I keep, you know, keep myself living out of the position of in Christ, well then I can. But it's, he's the can. Does that make sense? He's the can, not, not, it's not us. And it takes the pressure off because you could never do it in the first place. You could never do it in the first place. It makes it a lot easier. Whenever you know you can't do it, but he can. Amen. Takes the stress out of it. Takes the worry out of it. It takes the self-effort out of it. It takes the trusting in self, and it just it comes to the place of saying, "God, I could never do it, but you can." And I tell you, God can change things. He can change things. Sometimes it just happens like that. Sometimes everything can come together like that. But God's always working in the background, even if you can't see it. Just stay positioned correctly and trust that God's working it all out for your good. Amen. Praise God. That's, a, that's, that's great. Here, here's another verse here that, you know, I, I, I found hard to understand over the years. Um, 2 Corinthians 13. And it says in verse 4, it says here, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. It says, For we also are weak in him. I always find out, I know I'm strong in him. No, it says, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live uh, with him by the power of God towards you. Well, what Paul's saying is basically here again is, I'm weak, but here's the best place to put your weakness, put it in him. Huh? 
Do you see, it's a smart thing to just come to a place of saying, God, you know what, I could never do it. It has to be you or else it's... Now, I can go and produce stuff, but it's wood, hen, stubble. I can go and produce a lot of dung, as Paul said over in Philippines chapter 4. I can produce a lot of stuff. You know, we're always producing something like... But... But but when you come to the place where you say, God, I can't, but you can, really what you're doing is you're acknowledging, God, I need you. And so you don't stop being weak in and of yourself. Now, in in our inner man, we have God living in there. We have the power of God in us. But that's still a correct position, and it's dependent on what God has done in our lives. But the best place to put your weakness is to put it in Him. Because as soon as you step in Him, it's like... I've said this before, I think, here, but it's like... It's like putting on Iron Man suit. You know what I mean? You know, you, you're, you still can't. You know, if you, any of us have ever watched the Avengers, what do you, what do you call him plays that? Rodney Jr. What do you call him plays Iron Man? Rodney Jr. Not, not, not Iron Man. Yeah, him. Robert, Robert, Robert Downey, Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. That's it. You know, if you see in the film any of times where he wasn't in the suit, he's getting bashed about. He's getting bashed about any time you know, they, they were fighting. But once he gets back in that suit, then he can, he's, a different, he's a different person. But he's still weak in himself inside the suit. It's a suit that's his strength. That's why the Bible says to us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the armor of God. That's our, that's our Iron Man suit. Amen. Put it on. Step outside of that. It's just like it's like it's like your man there, Iron Man, with the suit on. But when you put a, when you step in the suit, not stepping in Christ. The best place to be is you're weak in yourself, but the best place to stick your weakness is in Christ. Now, when you're in Him, you're strong, but you're strong in Him. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know, that when I'm weak, and I know that it's not me. And I position myself correctly, then am I strong. Why? Because now the power of glory and grace just rests upon you. And now God's going to do something in your life that you can't do. God will take you where you can't take yourself. I I believe though the best days are yet to come. I really do. I, I believe the best days in the move of God are yet to come. I believe that there's great, great days to come and just have to see it by faith and just believe God that there's greater, greater, greater days to come, more exciting days to come in the move of God. Because positioning correctly, God's going to do great things. And you see, when we get past this as the church world, get past the, there's some people in the place of... Weak, oh, I can do nothing, I can do nothing. But they're not drawn from his strength, they're just at that place of weakness. Oh, I'm weak, I'm weak, they're miserable Christians. Believing God for nothing, they're always in trials. They're trial, every time you talk to them, they're in trials, and there's no joy with them. But then we can be over the awe extreme where we can be at the awe end of the, the stick where we're over there saying, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But we're not drawn from him. But I believe that the next move of God that we're going to see is people saying, I can't, but he can. It's not me, it's him. But we're trusting in his goodness, but we're positioned correctly. And I really believe we're going to see mighty, mighty things to come. I, I believe just staying correctly positioned. Amen.
Now, I'll tell you, those trains are crossing along tracks and God's doing a load of things, but that train's coming past you and it's going to take you somewhere where you, you could never take yourself. Just stay positioned at the right stop. Amen? Whether that's in any area of life. Do you see, the grace of God is God's acceleration on your life. It's God's ability in your life. And that'll work in every area of life. It'll work financially. It'll work in sports. It'll work in media. It'll work in performing arts. It'll work in any area. Wherever you find yourself in life, wherever God has you in your calling, you just stay right there and let God rest his, his ability upon your life and excel you and take you to where you need to be. And I tell you, people who are planning to go on and do great things in medicine or chemistry or anything like that there, and they go to school every day and university and saying, God, I can't, but you can. God, you show me things. They're the ones that are going to excel in his strength. Business people who say, God, I can't, you show me. God, you give me your plans. God, you, you, you bring the right people across my path because, God, I can't but that doesn't mean to say I won't that just means I can't but I can in you they're the ones that will excel amen it's the same in ministry as well I believe that the ones in ministry that are going to excel into this next move of God are the ones that are not relying on themselves with a false humility out there but they're going to be the ones who are saying God is this is real God I can't and me I can't I'm going to be organic I'm going to be real I'm going to be a normal person God but your hand is going to rest upon me and great things are going to happen through me and through the ministry not because of me but because of you and Jesus is going to be the only one that's seen and that's what I'm believing for. But that's a correct positioning. I'm saying I can't, but you can. It's a dependent attitude. God, we can do note. But you can do great things in him. Let me just, um, I'm going to finish here this evening. But look over in Second Corinthians 3. For a second, this, this really is talking about the new covenant. And I mentioned a couple of things out of this when we talked about righteousness. But the new covenant is where we need to position ourselves. And when you, look, when you talk about glory, it brings it out here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that there's, there was a glory to the Old Testament. And there's a glory to the New Testament. The problem is the glory of the Old Testament... Is fading. But the glory of the New Testament excels. See, where we are positioned, are we positioned under the New Covenant? Or are we positioned under the Old Covenant? And there's a lot of Christians got saved by grace but still have law thinking. Or they have a mixture of the two, which is harder to sometimes break down. See, if it was totally law and totally works and totally dependent on self, yeah, that's easy to define. But when people mix the two up, it's harder to, to break it down. But what it's saying is there was a glory in the Old Testament, but the glory in the New is greater. And you, you remember whenever Moses said to God, show me your glory. And what did it say? It said, God says, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by you. But that's the way that God's glory is in the Old Testament. It's always leaving. It's always walking by you. And all you see is the back parts. That's all you see is the back parts and it's leaving. But there was a glory. Because it affected Moses. Um, Moses just stayed in the glory for 40 days. And when he came down, everybody could see it on him. There was a glory there. 
But it's a glory that leaves. It doesn't remain. And what did the children of Israel do? They, they, they chucked a, a veil over his face. Or told Moses to stick it over his face. Whatever way. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to read it. But anyway, there was a, um, a veil put on his face anyway. Because the children of Israel didn't want to look at it. Do you know why? Because the glory of the Old Testament, boy, it, it revealed a lot of God's, you know, uh, holiness and judgment and stuff like that. There, you didn't want to look, because it was fear would come. You'd do dread. You'd stay away from that. But nevertheless, Moses was like a light bulb walking about, just by being in the presence of God. But the glory of the Old Testament, all Moses could see was God's back. But the glory of the New Testament, we look into the face of Jesus Christ. Without a veil. And it's talking about something completely different. But I'm just going to bring this out and I'm going to close here this evening. But in, um, what did I say? Second Corinthians 3. Yeah, let me just read this here down here from verse... Um, Paul said in verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Again, that's humility. That's Paul saying, it's not me, guys. I'm not sufficient in myself. God's my sufficiency. It's not about me. It's God is the one who, who, who is supplying us with all of this stuff. He says, our sufficiency is of God. And it's him who has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the latter, but of the Spirit. For the latter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the administration of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, what was written and engraved on stones? The Ten Commandments. But what does the Bible call it? An administration of death. Not too many people will preach that from the pulpit. That the Ten Commandments was an administration of death. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. But the problem is, is they're not life-given. That's the problem. They were written on stone. Now, is God saying that he doesn't want us to live a right life? That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is the Ten Commandments couldn't do it for you. They were written on stone. So what God did in the New Covenant is he, he, he put a heart in us, a fleshy heart. And he gave us a, heart, a, a new heart that, that's living. It's breathing in. If you want to do the right thing out of a right heart, not out of a rules that are dead, just put up beside you saying, live out of these things that are written on stone. And there's a lot of people will, will you know, do anything to give you the Ten Commandments. I've had people give me things with Ten Commandments on them. But the reality of it is that the Ten Commandments cannot change your life because they're written on stone. It's an Old Testament system. It's an administration of death. You don't hear that taught too much, but that's what Paul called it. But Paul said, we're not an administration of death, we're an administration of life. And you've got the Holy Ghost living in you, and now he'll give you the heart to do those things, not just rules to do those things. You see, um, I say this here, some people say, we're not under the law, but we're still under the moral law. Have you heard that? We're still under the moral law. And really what they're saying is, you still need to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm for the standards of the Ten Commandments, but you can't keep them by trying to keep them. You need to have God move in your heart. And it's by, the, it's by the fruit of the Spirit that you actually keep those things. It's by love you keep them. Walking in love. Amen. You walk in love and you'll see, you'll start to do those things. But it's not because of trying to do them. It's because God's doing something in your heart. Let me put it this way. Well, I'm not under the moral law, but I am for morality. Does that make sense? 
God, God did, didn't put us under the moral law. We, we, that was the Old Testament. But now God is still for morality. It's still for us living right. But he doesn't do it by trying to keep these ten. What he's saying is, you just allow me to minister to you. You let the word minister to you. And as the word ministers to you, do you know what happens? Your heart starts to change and you start going from glory to glory. It's a different way of thinking. See, the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The the law can't, it can tell you the right thing to do, but only the Spirit can empower you to do it. (laughs) It's like the law can tell you, don't commit adultery. But only God can change your heart to where you actually love your life. There's a lot of people not committing adultery, but they don't love their wives. They've just got used to living in the same house. They mightn't be out there committing adultery, but they don't, they don't even like each other. But do you know what God does? God will, call, God will cause your heart to change the way you love your wife. And when you love your wife, you're not committing adultery. But you're not committing your adultery because you've got ten rules on your wall that says don't commit adultery. Now you're not committing adultery because God put a heart of flesh in you. And if you allow him to minister to you by the Spirit of God, he'll change you. And that's a living experience, not cold, lifeless rules that cannot be kept you can't keep them in the flesh just walk with God but here, here's the um, that was a sidetrack but let me just say this here and I'll close here um, but it says here in verse um, again verse 7 but the administration of death written engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance which glory was to be done away see it was a, it was a, a, a glory that was coming to an end the old covenant but it says how shall not the administration of the spirit be rather glorious or there's more glory in the new testament than there ever was in the old For if the administration of condemnation was glorious, much more does the administration of righteousness exceed in glory. For by that which was made glorious has no glory in this respect or compared to the glory of the New Testament that will cause you to excel. Amen. The Old Testament had a glory. And people who live under the Old Testament, you can still see God in their lives. So you can still, people as Christians who are Old Testament minded or law, Ten Commandments minded. But you see people who move over here and let the Spirit of God minister to them through the Word and cause this thing to come alive in you where it's living. There's a better glory there. Amen. I'll, I'll read this out and I'll close. I'll write these couple of things down here. These are just comparisons here, and I'm just going to read them out here and finish. You know, you have the old covenant, and then you have the new covenant. The old covenant, you had Moses. This is all here. The new covenant was by Jesus. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You have law over here. You have grace over here. Over here, you've seen God's back parts. Over here under grace, you can look straight into the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? You have the letter that kills. You have the spirit that gives life. You have an administration of death. You have an administration of the spirit. You have an administration of condemnation. You have an administration of righteousness. Amen? The old covenant was written on stone. The New Testament, God has put it in flashy tables of the heart. There was a glory under the Old Testament, but the glory of the New Testament excels. 
Amen. This glory was fading. This glory remains, it says here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This glory was fading. It was always leaving. But when you look under, into the face of Jesus, you go from glory to glory. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. In actual fact, you position yourself in the new covenant, under the new covenant grace, under grace and truth, and let the word of God minister to you. Let the grace of God fall on your life. You're positioned to excel. Amen. And I believe God has got great things in store for those that are posi- positioning themselves under the grace of God. I've seen great I've seen great things in God just in the time that I I've I've been a Christian. Wonderful things, exciting things, great things. But I believe we go from glory to glory. And I believe there's better days to come. And I believe there's greater days ahead for all of us. God has got great things in store for us. And there's, there's an acceleration in our lives when we position ourselves right. Amen? Praise God. Amen. I'll, do, I'll look at a couple other things along those lines. And I want to look at pe- people uh, um, the next time we come together as well. People where God, where God got involved in their life in situations and God excelled them and done things for them that they could not do themselves. And God gets the glory. But God's all our, our acceleration. Grace is the acceleration factor in our lives that will cause us to do great things. It will cause us to superabound in life. But not in our strength, in His Amen. And I tell you, God wants us to superabound in life. Amen. He does. He wants us to superabound. That's why Paul was so. It was like he was like when people said to him, "What are you saying that we um, that we, you know, you're preaching grace so that we can sin more?" Paul was like, you, "You haven't heard a thing I've said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying grace will cause you to abound in life over the things that are abounding over you at this present moment in time. Grace will cause you to excel. Amen. So praise God. I may leave it there.